And then this one is going to be with my wife and I. As you're turning there to Matthew 6, let us put up the title for today's message. I want you to see it. Get it in your heart. And then I want us to have a confession of faith. Be all that God said to be in 2023. Now let's say this as a confession. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. That means so be it. Say, I will be what God said to be in 2023. Amen. I know it's a little cheesy, but I pray it sticks with you because each one of us has a calling, has an assignment, and God doesn't want you to hold back. God wants you to go big this year. You see, the, um, the old saying is, Jesus, he likes a big ask. Okay? Now listen to what I just said there. Jesus, <laughs> some of y'all are like, man, that's a little bit corny, but just listen to me. God likes it when you have a big ask. Listen to that, A-S-K. Don't, don't you all go into uh, your, your boy back in the day, I like big, no, 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 listen. And I can't deny, no, listen, listen. God likes a big ask. Why does God like a big ask? Because he wants you to put it all out there. He wants you to have faith for something that's too big for you. Something that puts you, you know, puts you on your knees and makes you step back like a burning bush or something. Go, man, I, I, I can't do that. And then God goes, that's right, you can't, but I can. That's why I'm the great I am. Come on, what is impossible? God says, I am possible. That comes from the Bible. That's not coming just from TikTokers. That comes from the Bible. We own manifestation. Like I always say, I believe in the big bang. I just know who banged it. God said, let there be light. Bang. And it hasn't stopped shining. It's still traveling. We're trying to find the end of it. You know, my God is rich. Somebody say, how rich? I said, my God is rich. He puts so many stars out there. Each one of us can own 20 billion. Have you ever looked at how many stars are out there? My God went over the top when he made this universe. Well, you and I, we should not be having small vision. We should be having big vision. And sometimes people go, oh, well, pastor, you know, I'm older now. Well, you know what the Bible says? You may not have a vision like young men, but the Bible says old men will dream dreams. It's time for the older folks in this church to dream dreams. To believe God for supernatural things to happen in their community and in their children's lives. The reason why the people perish is because they have no knowledge of what God said. The people perish because they don't know what God said. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Amen? So let's look quickly to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, before the woman of God comes up. Some people don't believe in women preachers. As I said in the first service, you haven't heard our women preach then. Our women preach most, uh, better than most of your men. Amen. We got some strong women preachers. How many believe Lauren did an amazing job last week? Praise God for them. This is what the Bible says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God is not just looking for us to just sit back and let the world pass us by. He's looking for kingdom seekers. He's looking for people that will be righteous in their ambition of the kingdom. I'm tired of seeing the world be ambitious about what they want. And then the church sits back and they're shy and they're intimidated by, by their beliefs. No, we are Christians. We are Christians. We're not ashamed of our Christian belief. We're not ashamed of our beliefs of morality. We'll preach them on the streets and let the whole world know. 
But it doesn't stop just with our beliefs about morality. It also goes into what we believe about government. Now, you may not uh, think every Christian government out there has done an awesome job, but do you know that there have been Christian nations that have developed the world? Do you know that the first places the gospel went went into Egypt, into Africa, and made those people prosperous? Do you not know today that God is blessing any nation that puts him first? Sometimes we talk about prosperity preachers, and I get it, we get thrown off by them. But your people, Christian people, somebody say, my people have built castles. We've built nations and businesses. You can even look up Guinness Beer was founded by a Christian who was influenced by John Wesley to do something great. The Bible says that we can do art and we can do all of these things unto God. Have you ever seen the art of Christians? Have you ever seen the music of Christians? We are to be the head and not the tail, doing all things for the glory of God. Have you ever read our stories, Lord of the Rings, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe? Have you been influenced by our inventions, by our science that came from Christians? Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. And then these things, those things that we care about, our cars, our money, our land, our family, our children, will come next. God's looking for a people that will dream big and not just sit back on their hands and begin to ask God for things that go beyond their natural ability. Somebody say hope. Come on, say hope beyond the scope of human limitation. Go with me to Genesis chapter 12. When God first met Abraham, his name was Abram. He was sitting around with his wife. He didn't have much to show for himself at that time. He was in a pagan family. And yet God said to him, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. It's time for generational curses to be broken and for generational blessings to come. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up. It's time to get up. Get up out of your sin. Get up out of your backslidden ways. Get up out of your generational curses that have come to you. Even from this generation of music and entertainment, get up out of Travis Scott and get into Peter, Paul, and the gospel. Get up out of Oprah and get into Hannah and Deborah. Amen. We need to get up out of this world and get into the land that God has for us. There's a promised land. There is a promised land for God's people. He said to Abraham, at this time, Abram, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You see, our God doesn't just build churches. He builds nations. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Look at what he says. I will bless those who bless you. That's why we still bless the people of Israel who came from Abraham. And I will curse those who curse you. Don't you know the book of Revelation says that all those who mess with us, right before they go to judgment and they go to hell, they're going to come before our feet and tell us they're sorry. The Bible says that they will worship God and acknowledge their wrong before our feet. They're going to acknowledge that what you were saying to them was right. And so we today understand God has it under control. And highlight that last part. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The principle of Abraham is that you're blessed to be a blessing. It doesn't matter if you have a tortilla business or a t-shirt business or whether or not you're waiting on tables in a restaurant or cutting grass or owning a new business. God wants you to be blessed to be a blessing.
I'm not going to judge you on how many blessings you have today because I don't want you to judge me. Sometimes people mock me and they say, well, how's the 50 churches coming along? How's the 100,000? You still in that storefront? But listen to me. I would rather have a dream and a vision and be in a storefront than be a sellout sucker in a mega mess. I mean a mega church. Are you listening to me? Because I ain't no pimp in the pulpit, nor am I Satan sucker. I'm a blessed saint of God, and I'm going to have his promise if I don't have anything else. But I believe if I hold on to his promise, I'm going to see his provision because he doesn't give a vision without the promise of provision. So when they mock me and make fun of me, I say, well, how's your marriage going? How your children going? Hallelujah. I'd rather have my mind, my family, and my children than to lose it all trying to get a big church. But listen to me. I can have both in Jesus' name because the promise of the vision comes with provision. And he will bless you to be a blessing. Somebody say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Don't let the world make you think because some Christians have been stuck up, snotty, or oppressors to make them think, that, to, to, to convince you, to make you think you can't have anything nice anymore. Oh, well, them churches, they do this and those pastors do that. Okay, well, do you do that with food? Have you starved yourself because that restaurant over there is bad and there's a bad restaurant over there? No, I can tell you're still eating good. Well, it's the same thing with God's kingdom. Yeah, there's a Christian hypocrite over there and a Christian hypocrite over here. But you know what? That doesn't stop us from continuing on what God told us to do. Somebody say, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. I can't talk about the pimping bishop. I don't know anything about him. I can't talk about that last one that sold a million albums in the Christian studio or the Christian music uh, industry and then back. So I, can't, I don't know about them, but I know for me and my house, we serve the Lord. Amen. And if God promised it, I want it in Jesus' name. If he promised it, I want it in Jesus' name. I want the Bible to come to pass in my life. I want to see the kingdom of God come to pass. I want to see nations come through my lineage. Amen. I want to see my children and my children's children be blessed. Amen. And should the Lord tarry, I want to remind the devil where he belongs. He belongs under your feet in the name of Jesus. And he's got a big old butt and it's time to whoop it. I want him to see the last thing from me is me taking 100,000 souls from his kingdom to the kingdom of God. If that's the last thing that he sees, I want to plunder his kingdom. Amen? Pimp slap the pimp in Jesus' name. Pimp slap. You know those pimps, they're known for slapping. I want to pimp slap a pimp. Anybody ever see a pimp and they, you see them abusing women? You just want to pimp slap a pimp, don't you? I see Satan slapping everybody, abusing everybody. I want to pimp slap him. In the name of Jesus, because the Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against every principality of darkness, and we win in Jesus' name. We win, brothers and sisters. You know, the Bible said, Jesus looking at a mountain said, if you believe in your heart and do not doubt, you can speak. You can speak to that mountain and cast it into the sea. And then we make fun of word of faith preachers. I understand some of them need to be made fun of selling their rags and their holy water. But brothers and sisters, you better be careful what you make fun of because the Bible said you need to speak it. My mom spoke out to me all the time that I would be saved. She would always speak the word over me. And today I'm saved. You got to learn how to speak the word even in the face of adversity. 
Even when you're speaking the word and it bounces right back as a, in the form of mockery, you need to speak it out. Don't let people intimidate you from speaking the word of God. Speak it. Speak the word of God. Turn with me quickly in your scriptures to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. There is a spirit of faith. Somebody say a spirit of faith. Amen. There is a spirit of faith. The Holy Spirit will give you faith. Because right now, some of you might say, well, Pastor, I want to dream big. And I know you're shouting and you got me excited. But what do I dream big about? Ask the Holy Spirit to put it in you. Holy Spirit, bless me to be a blessing and see what dreams and visions you get. I can't help but dream about a billion dollars when I see a sign for mega millions. Anybody else in this place? I, I'm not encouraging the lottery, but I'm just saying, do you see a billion dollar dream when you see that sign? I know I do because that's what God made us to do. God made us to look at sand and see a sand castle. God made us to look at trees and to see a house. God made us to look at the opposite sex and see a family. The whole earth is revolved around God's spoken word and the faith to put it into action. How many know you had to have faith before you got married? Amen. You had to have faith that it would work out. That's faith. You didn't see yourself at the 50-year anniversary in the literal, but you had to see it in the spiritual. You didn't see this building first in the physical. An architect had to draw it out. Please put that building back up there. That's why I want you to see it so that you can believe it, so you can have something to hold on to. This person who drew this is not even in the church anymore. I can't wait to tell them we did what you drew about. I can't wait to do that. But listen, I'm not depending upon a man. I'm looking to the God man, Jesus Christ. And so I'm so thankful for that because it helps us. You've got to expand your vision. When he was talking to Abraham later on, he said, I can tell you're getting discouraged. So I want you to start counting stars and then know that I'm going to give you more than the stars you can count. Start counting grains of sand. God used what he had around him to start counting so that he could see that God was going to do it. So maybe on a bad day, and it was nighttime, and he felt alone, and he felt scared, he could just look up and go, there's another one. There's another one. As many as I can count, God said he's going to give me through my family lineage. Are you listening? And maybe it would be a hot day, and he would be going through the desert, and maybe his head would be hanging down a little bit, and then he could look at some grains of sand and say, there's another one, and there's another one. God is going to keep his word. Hallelujah. God will always keep his word. He's not a man that he should lie. Let God be true and everybody else a liar. When you look at something like this, you see dream, you see vision. What is your dream? What is your vision? Doing the day-to-day -day stuff without vision, that's dying. That's death. To only look at your job for a job. To only look at your spouse just as someone temporary to meet your needs. No, man, you got to be able to close your eyes and see your lineage. you got to close your eyes and see your future. You've got to close your eyes when your eyes can't see it so that your spirit can ascend on the promises of God. Now this world wants to call it manifesting. And yeah, it will work for them. A sinner can sow in the ground and reap a harvest too. But my God put that principle there. Are you listening? It wasn't Mother Earth. My God said the earth is his footstool. Your mother's at the feet of my Jesus. It don't happen just by accident. A sower sowing seed works because my God made seed time and harvest. That's why I don't call them liars. Most of them, when they're telling stuff about what they manifested, I say you're probably right, man. That worked. And it's sad that Christians don't even want to put it into practice. 
Because they think that, oh, man, I'm just going to be humble. I'm just going to, no, no, go back to that scripture. Humility is doing what God said. I believed, therefore I have spoken. That's what humility is. And, yes, if God has called you to do something, then you do it no matter what people think about. You know, sometimes people try to say to me, oh, you could be doing more. And I try to tell them, I'm doing everything God called me to do. I'm doing everything God called me to do. So I'm not trying to have you be discontent with God's plan. But I am saying this. At any time, if your plan is not God's plan, you're not speaking faith. Faith is you speaking God's plan every single day. That's why when we come to church, we speak God's plan. 100,000 disciples, 50 churches, 500 around the world. That's a plan. And then we have short-term goals like you just heard. Let's get to 300. 300 in attendance. That would be basically like what we saw these last two weeks. Everybody here, you know, in the combined service, that would be like that in both services. That's 300. 200 disciples. Okay, that would be awesome. Well, those are short-term goals. But the long-term goal, you keep before yourself so that you don't get discouraged in your long work. The Bible says even while Jesus was on the cross, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You can endure whatever you're going through today if you have a future vision that's in front of you. Can I hear an amen? Amen. One more scripture. Look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. A lot of times we look to the you know, incarnation of Christ, Christ coming in the flesh, and we see all that he did for us with the, the, you know, the death on the cross, and we see it in spiritual means, but we don't see it in the natural means. But look at what the scripture says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was what? He was what? Rich. For your sake he became what? poor so that through his what poverty you might become middle class is that what it says so that you might become rich y'all getting quiet on me right now there's not another offering but you need to believe this today offer up your lives to Jesus because he literally became poor Sometimes my friends who don't like prosperity preaching like this, they say, are you a health and wealth preacher? I said, yeah, because I'm not a poverty and death preacher or sickness preacher. What do you want me to preach about? Everybody going to die and we're all going to be sick and we're all going to be poor? I mean, is that what you want me to say? Well, pastor, you know, sometimes if you do, you preach that message, then people are going to get the wrong idea. What's the wrong idea? God wants his people blessed? Are you a health and wealth preacher to your children? Come on, don't you preach health and wealth to your children? Yes or no, parents? Well, then God is that for us. But here's the difference. Some of those people, they become sneaky and manipulative and give to get, and you make the preacher rich. To hell with all of that. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. He who was rich became poor so that through his poverty I might become rich in Jesus' name. Believe it. Speak it over your life. Do not let the world take the riches that God has for you. I don't want to show up to heaven and then God walk around and say, well, I want to show you some stuff. Okay, God, show me stuff. And then he says, take a look over here. And I take a look into a storage facility. And then I look around and I see all the blessings that I needed on earth, all the things that I needed. And then I ask him, what was that? I don't want God to have to say, those are all your unanswered prayers. Because you never asked, you never had. The Bible says you have not because you asked not. And I would add to that because we believe not. We have not because we ask not because we believe not. We think the only ones that can have it are the ones who already had it. But how do you think they got it? They wouldn't apply the principles of this world to their jobs and to their income and to their investments and to their ideas, and they reap the harvest. But I think it's about time that the wealth that was stored up by them comes from them to us in Jesus' name. I think it's about time that we get back what the enemy has stolen in the name of Jesus.
I want you to get excited about Congress again. You know why? Because there's Christians in Congress that actually pray when it's time to pray. I want you to get excited about public schools again because they open up the time with prayer in the Bible instead of metal detectors. I want you to be excited about YMCAs because they eventually become Christian again. I want you to get excited about Planned Parenthood because it goes from being an abortion clinic to an adoption agency. I want you to see justice flowing through this land as been prophesied in the Bible. But you have to get up and take it in Jesus' name. You can't let the enemy deceive you. You ask it from Jesus, but you take it from the enemy. You take back what he stole from you. He stole the pieces of our schools. He stole the generational blessings that were handed down to us from our grandparents. All of our grandparents used to go to church more than this generation does. We all used to know something, a thing or two about sexuality and morality. And now what they used to call debaucherous, we put on now a movie screen and sell a ticket for it. It's time for us to get back the blessings of the land. God has blessed America. It's time for America to bless God. It's time for us to go in prayer and say, God, you made yourself poor so that I might become rich. What does rich look like in my life? Is it houses, land, property, investment? Is it stay-at-home moms raising up the next inventors? Do you know that a lot of the inventors were raised by their, their moms in school before they ever went to university? And by the time they were, they were the best that they were at, they were just teenagers. You know why? Because they had moms that raised them. Are you listening to me? Nothing wrong with the working mom, but I just want to tell you, whatever God calls you to do, be the best at it. It's time for us to ask the Lord, what are the riches? What are the blessings that you have for me? And not hold back, not hold back. I mean, you see me, I'm as big as I can dream here. I'm going as far out in this thing as I can. And ask God to do the same. And then here's the last thing I want to share with you. Even if you only got lint in your pockets today. Because I'm not judging you whether you have a million, a billion, or lint in your pockets. This is what I want to ask. What you have in your heart. Like that old commercial says, what you, what you got in your wallet, you know? What do you have in your heart today? What do you have in your heart? Because you may only have lint in your pockets. But if you have in your heart the word of God, you won't stay with lint for long. Before you know it, you're going to start having a job, and you're going to start having blessing, and you're going to start having prosperity. And it may not be as much as your neighbors, but you won't be jealous of that. You're going to be content with what God gives you, amen? And then you're going to have more to do more so you can give more. I'm going to say that again. Before you know it, you're going to have more so that you can do more so that you can give more. Last story. Please put up George Bass' website. I brought it up in first service. This gentleman right here blessed my life. I was a, a college a graduate. You know, I love Jesus, but I was broke as a joke. And I was living in New Orleans, man, barely had enough money for ramen noodle. And let me tell you something. I was broke. Somebody say, how broke? I was broke. I had to receive food packages from my friends back home. They sent them in the mail. I'm telling you, anybody ever been that broke where people got to bring you food? That's what I was like, man. People had to send me food. And I remember Mama Northup, she would send the best care packages. Oh, I'd look through there. Oh, there's peanut butter. There's, there, there's these food things, that, you know, ramen noodles, canned soup. That's how broke I was. But you know what? I was faithful to God, seeking his face, and I was starting to learn the principles that I'm sharing with you now. And as I was preaching one time, I was preaching to a young man, I'm telling you, in front of the most worst places of New Orleans, Decatur Street, in front of the hideout, where people like Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, Kurt Cobain, these crazy rock stars would go and party. And in the middle of me preaching to this young man, he just stopped me in the middle of it, and he goes, hey, man, you would like my boss. 
And I'm thinking to myself, man, what is this guy talking about? He says, no, no, listen, my boss is a Christian just like you. You would love my boss. You should get in touch with my boss. And I'm like, man, I I can do that. I can make a new friend, but you're still going to go to hell. And he's like, well, okay, I'll think about it, but here's my boss's number. You know what? It was George Bass. I called up that number. He's like, this is George Bass Clothing. How may I help you? Southern gentleman from, from uh, Mississippi working there in New Orleans. And I'm like, what's going on, man? And he's like, well, I heard about you from one of my employees. I heard that you're out there preaching the gospel. Would you like to meet for lunch? And I'm like, sure, I'd love to meet for lunch. And then this is the man that I met right here. George Bass owns a clothing store in one of the biggest buildings Sky Rises of New Orleans and has one of the most expensive and exquisite men's boutiques. I show up like this. I'm intimidated by this man. But you know what? He gave me a Bible, gave me my first King James Bible, and he began to share with me his faith. And then a little bit into the story, he goes, oh, you need a job? I'll hire you. Come start working for me. And you know what? That man of God, show the, his website too as well, so the beginning parts of it. This man brought me into his company. I would get into these places. Go ahead home for me, my brother. I would be out there talking to people wearing, you know, these kind of suits right there, $1,000, you know, shirts, $200 ties. I remember one time somebody walked up to me and said, now, what's the difference between this $500 thing and this $1,000 thing? I didn't know the difference. I said, well, it looks like it's more expensive. All of a sudden, George Bass came out. He was wiping his food, you know, coming out from eating his little salad back there. He goes, now, let me show you, son. He, he put that one, I think it was a pair of pants, and he put it over him, himself, and he said, look at this feel this. It was like the thread count. He said, now feel this one. This one's better. Do you feel it? Now hold it up to the light. Do you see the shine? And he sold that man like a thousand dollar pair of pants. That man was a Christian. He loved Jesus. Best boutique for men in that area. And you know what? He was a Christian that said, I'm going to use my prosperity for the blessing of the Lord. I remember one time when I was uh, new in the ministry, and I was, uh, you know, not working for him anymore, and I didn't have a lot of money. I wasn't good at budgeting then. I was sure good at spending it. And I went to him, and I said, brother, man, I I don't have a lot of money, but I'm still trying to reach these kids in this inner city. He said, how much do you need? I said the amount. He said, the check will be waiting for you. You see, it's about time that we raise up some other George Basses in this place. It's about time you get up off your blank and you become a George Bass, not a blankety-blank, if you know what I'm saying. It has Jack in front of it, amen, and it's King James. It's time that we get some George Basses and no more Jack. You get what I'm saying, church? I'm not trying to swear up in the church, even though it's not a bad word. But I'm telling you, I got too many people wasting their time and their talent, making excuses to why they can't do it. Every person here has a gift. Every person here has an opportunity. Every person here has a calling upon your life. And you know what? It's not just for you. You selfish, lazy thing. You listen, when anytime we're selfish, and I've been there, but anytime we're selfish, we're wasting what God gave us, not only for ourselves, but for others. You see, if I just stayed in my house, would you be here today? No, you couldn't fit in my house, could you? See, I had to stop being selfish and start giving my life away to the church. I had to become ambitious. Somebody say ambition. It's not a bad thing. Somebody say laziness. 
is. Say stupidity is a sin. You see, but ambition is good. Don't, don't just sit back and go, well, if it will be, it will be. No, no, that's not God's will for your life. God wants you to look at some mountains that are standing right in front of you and cast them into the heart of the sea. God wants you to see some waters and start walking on them in Jesus' name. God wants you to close your eyes and see business opportunities and family things that need to be settled that you have never thought of before. But close your eyes and watch God will do. When I close my eyes in this city right now, right now when I close my eyes, I see what my eyes can't see. But I see the dreams that God has for me. This is your year. Why, you, know, you know, last year we went up a few from, you know, from this year to last year and then, you know, a couple dollars here and there. Why can't next year we be talking about $10 million in the bank? Why can't we put up, please put up that picture one more time, brother. Why can't we start building three of those things? Why? why? Why does it always have to be just addition, 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 a little here, a little there? I'm content. I'm telling you, I'm going to do what God said. But why can't this be the year of a suddenly? Why can't this be the year where you just wake up and something is different, something has changed, and then the fruit comes? It's not that you just thought about it and it, it was in your dream, but no, the dream becomes a reality, a sudden move of God. I want to see revival in our life groups. I want to see our, our youth groups continue to grow. That's why we gave the van that we had. Now we're going to, by God's grace, have three vans because we thought about it. One's just not enough. So I'm putting my faith out there. I'll give, listen to me, everything from the parsonage to the salary, I would give it all away just that I might be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Listen to me. I would rather be a doorkeeper welcoming you into a church that I know is reaching the nations than to have anything else. If the Lord told me, and I said this in the first service, and I mean it, if the Lord said, Joe, I'll make a trade. You're no longer the senior pastor. Jason is, but you'll see revival come to pass. But until then, hallelujah. No, but I'm being serious with you. I mean that. My wife will tell you that. I, that's why you don't have to call me Dr. Joe. Anybody here ever been told to call me Dr. Joe? You haven't. Anybody here ever tell you, hey, you have to call me Pastor Joe? Titles and notoriety got beat out of my life in the streets of New Orleans in humility. I don't need it, my friends. What I need is revival. Because what I learned real quick when you do real ministry is that the, the devil don't care about titles. And titles won't keep you from killing yourself. Because there's been a lot of PhDs and doctors who take their lives and commit affairs and do all types of reckless things. There's one thing that will keep you. That's pure hands. That's clean hands and a pure heart and you'll see God. That's all that I want, brothers and sisters. I want to see God in the land of the living. That's why we want 100,000. I want 100,000 more like you. And the friend that we had in first service who got his life touched, that youth group I heard about, Issa's family and friends, I want to see more. I want to see my children's children have a place to have church where they don't have to wonder if there's integrity there or there's holiness there. But the people of God fear God and they love people. I want us to be able to see our youth group go to campuses all across this city. Every youth here start Christian clubs. Every young adult that has opportunities, let's support them. I want to take the gospel truck out now that they're in school again. Get out in front of their schools more. Go to these parks. Let them know that we love them. We have a, a, a great opportunity for young people to get saved. Amen. I want to meet more mothers and fathers and businessmen. You know that I've met actors when we've witnessed out here, an actor from a soap opera. I met him out there. Do you know how we meet athletes? We meet from the homeless to the people who own multi-million dollar homes, and I want to see that multiply in Jesus' name. Now for the practicals. You ready to learn how to do this? 
I got to give this up to uh, Sister Lauren because we were talking. She said, it would be awesome to hear from the first lady, which we don't really call her that, but it's kind of traditional. And I was like, okay, well, let's see what's up. Well, she started off with one note. Show up that one page. She started off with the one page of notes. You got one. Show the one. And then she said she got the rest. All what? After that? So you, all of that came later? So, oh, you got the extra. I had it backwards. So the Lord's been speaking to her. Let's give it up for the man of God, a woman of God of faith and power for the hour. Give us some practicals, woman of God. I shall. Bless the Lord. Who's excited to be at church today? Amen. I told the kids as we were driving her, I said, listen, when I park that truck in the parking lot, everybody be quiet because I got to get these thoughts out of my head to write in my notes. And one of my kids is like, Daddy doesn't use notes. <laughs> to which I said, well, I do, okay? Bless the Lord. Who wants to be all that God has called you to be in 2023? It's time. Get your pens out. Get your papers out. Get your phones out. However you take notes, it's time to get notes. Uh, take notes, and it's time to get into the word of God because we're going to dive right in. And I want you to look to your neighbor say, God has a word for you. Look to your other neighbor say, God has a word for you too. Come on. There's three points, three practical points that I want to display to you, expound on for you. Number one, be surrendered. If you want to be all that God is calling you to be this year, you have to be surrendered. Number two, you have to be courageous. Without courage, you won't conquer things. Without courage, you won't take that step. Without courage, you won't walk on the water and what God is calling you to do. And number three, be wise. We need wisdom. We need godly wisdom. We need godly counsel. Amen? In Luke 9, 23 through 24, it says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. Be surrendered. It's going to cost you something. You have to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. Many of us who have been saved for a long time, we remember being taught that very passage of scripture. How many of you guys remember that? If you want to be a disciple, you got to follow Jesus. Take up your cross, right? Lay it all down. We remember that. We remember what it was like to give it all up for God. Certain relationships that we may have been in. Old habits, sinful behaviors. Some of you be, may be in that moment in your life right now where you're making the decision to come back to the Lord. You're uh, doing all that you can to follow Jesus and it's fresh and it's new and you're going all in for him. And that's amazing. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't look back. All of us need to remember that no matter how long we will be safe for or how long we've been doing it for, we will always need to consistently live out these verses in our lives. Amen? For those who may have strayed away from denying yourself, from taking up your cross daily, from following Jesus in every area of your life, it's time to get back to the basics and do the things you did at first. Revelation 2, 4 through 5 says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
How many of you guys think that Jesus takes very seriously the call to do the things we did at first? Never forget your small beginnings. Never forget what it was like when you met Jesus for the first time. You may be saved in this room for five years, 10 years, 20 years. Some of you may have that testimony, but you haven't lived surrendered lives, and it shows. When you live a surrendered life, you receive the opportunity to rest in the promises of God. Somebody say rest. There is a fine line between rest and striving, and it's found in surrender. What do you do when you surrender? You lift your hands up, and you're done. When you are not fully surrendered to God, you're constantly striving, and you will never find rest Rest in the promises of God. When we lack full surrender, we stunt our growth and we miss out on what God wants to reveal to our lives. We miss out on the plans and purposes of God. And your inability to surrender to the Lord proves your lack of trust in him. We need to trust Jesus. Trust in the Lord and surrender If you want to be all that God is calling you to be, you have to be fully surrendered to God. Psalms 37, 3 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Come on. How many of you guys want a life like that? Surrender to God. Trust him. Commit your way to him. When you try to hold on to the areas in your life that God is asking you to lay down, you remain in a constant state of striving. Choose to fully surrender today anything that God has been asking you to give up. Choose to trust him. Choose to be all that God said you could be by being fully surrendered. When we don't surrender our all to God, we are settling for our best. Don't settle for your best. When we do surrender fully to God, we get to live in God's best. Which one do you want today? Do you want to settle for your best? Do you want to settle for the striving? Do you want to settle for the stress and the worry? Or do you want to fully surrender, give it up and say, Jesus, I'm done taking the wheel. Take the wheel, Jesus. I want to go where you want me to go. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live in your best. A life of full surrender is us saying yes to God's will and to God's way. Amen? Who's ready to surrender in 2023? Not holding back. Not holding back. No matter how long we are saved, we are living sacrifices unto the Lord. We're dead men walking. It's God's way. We want 2020 vision. We want to see. We want to be cross-sided. We want to see what God has for us. We want to see through the eyes of the Spirit. Amen? If you want that, give it up to Jesus. Number two, be courageous. What we don't realize sometimes is how many people's eternal destinies are connected to our courage. People's potential encounters with God are attached to our ability to take a stand for righteousness 
attached to our obedience to God. In November 2000, that was my altar call of surrender. I was 18 years old. I was in a relationship I shouldn't have been in. I was backslidden. I had grown up in a Christian church. I knew all the right stuff, but I wasn't living it, and I knew it. I wasn't trying to fake it. That altar call that I gave my life to Jesus in was an altar call of full surrender. Did I see a room full of people like this in 2000? No, I wasn't thinking about any of you guys. I didn't know I was going to be called into ministry. But my ability in that moment through the grace of God, through the spirit of God, me being obedient to do what I did that day has caused will cause more and more people and generations to come to Christ. People's destinies are connected to your obedience and your, your ability to say, I'm, I'm going to take courage. I'm going to take courage in the Lord, and I'm going to do what he's calling me to do. So they're attached to our obedience to go, to be brave when God tells you to do something, to speak up against the lies of the enemy and be willing to pick up our swords and fight Christians are not called to stand in the sidelines, my friends. We are disciples of Jesus, and we are called to be warriors. We have a battle cry inside of us. We've been enlisted in the army of the Lord. Come on. We've been drafted. We have a mission. We've been sent on mission. What is your mission today? Some of you don't know what your mission is because you lack vision. You don't even know what you're supposed to be courageous for. Where is your mission? What are you seeing God doing? Is it the high schools? Is it the youth in America? Is it the college campuses? Is it your workplace? Is it your mission in the African bush? The brothels in Thailand? The untouchables in India? Where are you going? What is God calling you to do? Is it Belmont and Cragen, Wicker Park, Ohio Park, all the rest of the 77 neighborhoods in Chicago? What are you being courageous for, my friends? Answer that question first and then decide that you're going to have courage. Amen? Wherever our mission is today or wherever it will be 10, 20 years from now, we need to take a stand in the front lines because we're not just called to play defense. It's offense time. It's time to take back what the enemy has stolen. You're not in this to barely make it. You are called to be victorious. You are called to be a warrior. Put on the armor of God today and choose to be courageous because it's time to advance. Tying it in to most of you don't know what your mission is because you don't have vision. You don't know what to be courageous for. Here's a quick story. Walt Disney had designed Disney World. When Disney World opened, I forgot what year it was, I think it was somewhere in the 70s, Walt Disney was already passed. He didn't make it to the grand opening of Disney World. So here they are at the ribbon ceremony. His wife is there, his family is there, news reporters, news broadcasters, the whole works, right? One news reporter goes to Walt Disney's wife and he says to her, boy, it would be so awesome if Walt Disney could be here to see this right now. And she looked at that reporter and she said, you're wrong. Because if my husband never saw it, you wouldn't be standing in it right now. Amen? Where's, where's your mission? What, are, what do we need courage for, my friends? 
when we are on offense, offense is the action of attacking someone or something, right? Defense is the action of defending from or resisting attack. There are times to do both. We need to know how to operate in both of those positions, offense and defense. But my concern right now for some of you is that you've been in the defense position for too long and you can't conquer land or score a point if all you play is defense. We need to be courageous. What saddens me is that some of you are not even in defense mode. You've just fully thrown in the towel. You've just fully thrown it in. Our first line of defense is reading our Bible. Some of you have already given up on that. You can't attack without a sword, and you can't defend without one either. The Word of God is a sword of the Spirit. Amen? Another line of defense is your marriage. Not only are you not in the offense position in your marriage or family, you're not even defending it anymore. You're waving your white flag and surrender to the enemy because you won't wave it to Jesus and you can't surrender to him because it's too hard to give it all up for the Lord. You don't even realize you will surrender to someone or something at some point. So you better make sure you're surrendered to God. Stop waving the white, the white flag to the wrong team. You wave your right flag to the enemy saying, come and ravage me. Ravage me with lust. Ravage me with bitterness. Ravage me with jealousy and bickering and pride. Ravage me with divisiveness. You know, we always talk and warn in this church against people causing division. Can I get an amen for that? We keep things in order here. We believe in church discipline. We believe in church organization. We love the spirit of God, but we don't sweep things under the rug here, okay? But, you know, we always talk and warn against that in the church and how this year you need to decide not to be causing division in your own marriage. Stop being the tool of the enemy against your spouse and get a holy unction and say, devil, you stop right here. Because what does the Bible teach about divisiveness? You warn a divisive person once, and then you warn them a second time, and then after that, have nothing to do with them. We practice that here. We don't allow messes to fester. We, we set things in order. That was Paul's charge to Titus to appoint elders in that city to set in order what was happening in the church. That's our call for MPI. It says, you may be sure that such people are warped and sinful. They are self-condemned. What are you going to do with your spouse if there's division there? You're going to just disfellowship your spouse? You've got to take care of business. Now, we don't advocate here that you need to stay in a relationship where there's harm. Okay, that's a whole other topic. We take care of business there too, okay? So if there's harm, there's hurt being caused, we take care of that. But we need to guard our devotional life. And you need to guard your marriages in this church and stop waving the white flag. Lines of defenses. Amen? Amen. Revelation 12, 10 through 11. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Come on. Do you guys see what happens in the end? We win. 
the devil loses. They triumph over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. We win. We have the victory. We get to rule. We get to conquer. We get to dominate. That's what happens to the enemy. My friends, don't be surrendered and don't fear that kind of an enemy because that's his destiny. You overcome him right now in the land of the living by the word of your testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. Let's believe that passage of scripture. If we believe what the Bible says, then we'll live like the Bible says. Our lips will speak it and our lives will show it. Get rid of the complaining and the murmuring on your lips and speak life. Be courageous enough to declare things that are not as though they were. Pluck out of your heart the discontentment and the woe. And get a heart of praise and thanksgiving. Amen? Come on. We need, we need a heart of uh, praise and thanksgiving to be courageous. Because we know who our God is. When you can't have a heart of praise and thanksgiving, you don't know who you're serving. Because our God is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The, creation, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Amen? He sits enthroned in the heavens. He rules with an iron scepter, and he's coming back to judge the nations. That's our God. So take courage because you know the God that you are serving. Let's walk by faith and not by sight. We need courage and, and faith in God to be able to do that, walking by faith and not by sight. The main passage of Scripture for this point of being courageous is in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Joshua was entrusted with the responsibility here to take over what Moses was not able to complete with the Israelites traveling. Be strong and very courageous. Let's say that together in the count of three. One, two, three. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Come on. That last sentence right there, I don't sing, but I'm about to. Because I would, this wasn't in my notes, but I'm going to do it. I made a song out of that, led by the Holy Spirit in my devotional time. Because uh, I think it was in 2018... 2017, I felt in uh, my time of prayer that God was calling me to get my master's degree, okay? And um, I was so scared. I mean, it like rocked me. Yeah, I know. School scares me, okay? 
But I was obedient. I, would, I had just started the fall trimester. I think it was literally just one day of classes. And I'm like, dear Lord, how in the world am I going to do this? So he led me to this passage of scripture. And I memorized it as a song so that I can get through those few years. Are you guys ready to hear the song? Okay. I do not sing, but I will do my best, okay? Okay. Oh, wait. This isn't even the verse. But it's in, dude. I thought, I thought it was Joshua. That's okay. I'm going to still sing the song because it, it's related. It might be a part of their story, but it might be in another book. But I'm going to still sing it, okay? The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Oh, it is. Yes. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, or I will not be afraid. I won't be discouraged. Amen? Come on. Amen. That's Deuteronomy. Come on. So it sounded familiar. I thought it was that one. Deuteronomy 31.8. So you could put that in your notes. There you go. Yes. Thank you. So it's repeating the story, but I think it's the same premise there. Okay. Going back to the notes. Joshua was entrusted with the responsibility of bringing the people of Israel into the promised land after being enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And my friends, God is calling us to bring forth people of every nation, tongue, and tribe that are in bondage, that are slaves to sin, and bring them into the promises of God that will set their souls free. Let's be courageous this year. Let's be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Remember, he's already won the battle. Jesus has the victory. So let's take a stand. And after we've done everything, to stand. Amen? Fully armored in the armor of the Lord. The last point here, point number three, be wise. Be wise. This has three points to it. How are we going to be wise this year? Number one, fear the Lord. Live in the fear of the Lord. Number two, choose wise friends. And number three, do not forsake gathering together and build God's church. I'm going to say it again. Point number three, be wise. It has three points to it. Fear the Lord. Choose wise friends. Don't forsake gathering together so you can build the church. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fool, fools suffers harm. Do you want to suffer harm this year? I don't think so. Don't hang around fools. Find wise people to hang out with. If you want to be all that God has called you to be in 2023, watch who you hang out with. Make sure you surround yourself with people who also want to be all that God has said they could be too. Amen? Because if they don't, they won't help you get there. They'll hinder you, be a stumbling block to you, and a source of discouragement. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you want to be wise this year, stop skipping church because something came up again. Commit your Sundays to the Lord because they belong to Jesus. You get spurred on here. You get spurred on towards love and good deeds here. You receive correction, rebuke, and encouragement, my friends. And all three components in there are absolutely necessary for you to succeed in this life as a disciple. If you are not connected to a church, a local body of believers, you will become anemic, weak, and stagnant in your walk with God. We can't settle for that. We are called to bear fruit, fruit that's going to last forever. Remember, God the Father is a gardener. And guess what gardeners do? They check their crops. They check on their fruit. And he is checking your life to see what kind of fruit you have on your tree. John 15, 1 through 8. We're going to read all eight verses. Are you ready? I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart with me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So guess what some of the words that Jesus said are, the things, the teachings in the Bible, be in church. You want to bear fruit, be connected to him as the vine and build the local church. So in closing, be wise this year by choosing to walk with other wise people. Make friends, build relationships in the house of God. People like your 101 leader, your life group leaders, or life group peers. Choose friends who will keep you accountable, ask you the tough questions. People who genuinely care for your spiritual growth and well-being. And those who will share life with you as you follow Jesus together. Amen? And be wise by committing to church. Commit to being in church every Sunday. Commit to a life group. Commit to discipleship this year. Be raised up to be all that God has called you to be. This is a quote from R.C. Sproul in his book, The Soul's Quest for God. Listen to what he says about the importance of being a part of a church. If you Google uh, for this quote, I am going to change it up a little bit because I, he brings in how um, it's connected in the context of sanctification. I'm going to switch that up and just put maturity in that uh, sentence. But if you look it up, it's R.C. Sproul. It is, listen to what he says. It is both foolish and wicked to suppose that we will make much uh, or if, uh, that we will mature, right, if we isolate ourselves from the visible church. It is both foolish and wicked to suppose that we can grow in our spiritual walk with God if we isolate ourselves from the visible church. 
Indeed, it is commonplace to hear people declare that they don't need to unite with a church to be a Christian. How many of you guys have heard that? They claim that their devotion is personal and private, not institutional or corporate. So they just mind their own business, right, and stick to themselves. He says, this is not the testimony of the great saints of history. It is the confession of fools. Be wise. Local churches hold the key to world evangelization, my friends. If you want to evangelize the world, build the local church. Disciples build the church. Become pillars in the house of God this year. Become a deacon. Become an elder. Operate in your fivefold ministry gift. Apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. What is God doing through you? Become alive in that role, in those gifts, right? And make them come alive even in your workplace and watch what God will do. Be wise and do it all for the glory of God. Everything we do needs to bring God, God's glory. There's a quote a wise man once said, whatever services we do for any other vain reason other than giving God glory are but glorious sins. We need to take serious what we're doing because one day it's all going to be tested by fire. Whatever was not done to advance God's kingdom, to accomplish the great commission found in Matthew 28 is all going to burn up. And it will count for nothing. Not by might, nor by power, but by his spirit this year. Amen? Praise God. Give it up for Jesus. Wow, that was so much. We're just going to move this back. Can you help me with that? Maybe take this. How many feel spurred on this morning? Amen. Some of the things that came into my heart my, while my wife was sharing is, Lord, have mercy. You know, when she brings out those strong rebukes, some of you, you know, some of you, and it comes out like, Lord, have mercy. That's what comes to my heart for some of you because every relationship has its balance between the two, you know. And uh, there's always a sweet one and a sassy one. And I definitely am the sweet one. This is the sassy one. No, I'm kidding. That's something a sassy person would say. That's something they say. But I listened to my wife's heart for that message, and there's a lot of rebuke in there, but there's also a lot of love. There's a lot of encouragement. And, you know, my wife is over the counseling ministry. She oversees that. So the day-to-day -day things that are going on, she hears. And for her to bring that up, devotional and marriage, that's a big thing. So let's not let that go through us without praying, okay? So just where you're at before we get, you know, standing and worshiping again, can we just have an attitude of prayer? And this can count for anybody, for your marriage and for your devotional life. So, Lord, we just lift those two things up to you right now. Lord, if 2022 wasn't right, we ask you to make it right this year in our marriage and our devotional life. I pray for the Lord to show you right now, especially those of you who are married, how you can have a strong marriage. If you already have one, how to guard it. Also, everyone should be looking at their devotional life and how they spend time with Jesus every day. Every day, making time for the Lord. I would say at least an hour, be alone with Jesus to read the word and to pray. Making time in the Holy Spirit to pray in unknown languages, to lay hands on your family, to do family devotions. Right now, let's make this applicable. If you need to ask for forgiveness, do so. 
And then ask the Lord to empower you. The Holy Spirit will draw you to himself like the ocean, the waves. It says in the Bible, the deep will draw the deep. Deep calls out to deep. The, the current calls it forth back. After the waves crash, the current calls it back. Ask the Lord to call you into the deep things this year. Ask for the marriage to be blessed. To set aside time for you to pray with your spouses, to go through the scriptures together, to share what's on your hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Another thing that she brought out, kind of making our way back, is that we need to be courageous. But you need to know what you have to be courageous about. Some of you, I'm telling you, I follow you on social media, and there's just not much you're excited about in life other than going out to lunch with your friends and taking some pictures on your vacation. You really need to be challenged this year to do something great for God. It's either grow or die. It's really the way it is, especially the men in this place. I've got to speak to your heart as a warrior. That's why you're bored in church, because you're not stretching yourself. I could have just sat on my hands this last year, but the Lord told me to start a Bible college, you know? I'm learning more than I ever have. If you want to learn, teach. If you want to grow, serve. Some of you men here are not serving. You're not dedicating your life to helping others. You just go to your job, you come home, and you wonder why you're burned out. You need to start volunteering, and that goes for everybody, but I'm specifically speaking to the men. And so if you don't know what to be courageous about, ask the Lord to forgive you right now. Especially if you've been a Christian for some time, just be honest. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't been ambitious or courageous for anything in a while. I haven't stretched myself. I've been too comfortable. Pray right now for the Lord to get you out of the rut. Give you some dreams again. Maybe join the youth ministry or the children's ministry or come early and stay late at a life group. Or for the deacons here, start a life group. Get out, get out there and make disciples on your job. Start something during your work, you know, break. Father, make us courageous. Make us brave, oh, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, right now. Right now, Father, we pray for bravery to come for the right things. I love even as Daryl's up here, man, this year for Daryl and his family, Escobals has been so amazing. They've taken on the worship ministry, taken on the youth ministry, opened up their home. You know, that's what bravery looks like. And it doesn't just mean to do more. It just means to be available for what God has for you. That's really what it means. It just means like I'm going to go all in. And then the last thing right here, just make time to put God first. Church is a way that we do that. I know many of you have been burned out by religion. You've even been burned out in this church. But I want you to understand that was something that was either done to you wrong or you did something wrong. But you cannot now throw the baby out with the bathwater. Church disciplines us. It encourages us. It helps us. It, if I was to teach a whole message on just what the church does, it would take me the whole year. And maybe one day, by God's grace, I will. But just because maybe you started off here, some of you, and you're like, oh, I, I did the evangelism. I was in the, you know, the life group, and then I got burned out. Okay. But that doesn't mean now you don't do anything. That doesn't mean you don't push yourself. Okay, you did too much at one point. We got it. You messed up. I've done that before. But go forward. God, ask the Lord, excuse me, to plug you in. Ask the Lord to plug you into church. 
Some of you are not close to this location. I get it. You're out in the suburbs or on the south side. Ask the Lord to start doing something there. Let's raise up a Bible study there. Let's do outreaches there. Let's not just take the easy way out and go, well, my location is not close to this one. Let's ask God to do those things. I mean, just in the attitude of prayer, we knock our families and the generations before us way too much. I'm honestly starting to take it a little bit personal when I hear people put down the church as much as they did. Well, I was a church kid and this and that. Yeah, but at least you were in church. Do you understand what the, the church kept you from? Do you know what the world is like? There are children's graves right now because they're in graves because their parents didn't put them in church. They let them run the streets. They're dead. My friends committed suicide. You understand? If your worst story is I grew up in church and didn't get to hang out a lot, okay, so what? Get over it. Find a balance, but don't disrespect the church for that. The church has always been there for that. And I pray this generation will find that safe place in church. That youth group for teenagers will be fun, but also challenging. That the Bible studies will be prioritized. Do you know, you know all, how many people want to go to college, man? You, you lose your mind in college. Sexual perversion, per, you know, all that happens there. College is not your savior. Jesus is. I know we can have both, but I just want to make sure everyone puts God first this year. Trust me, it doesn't matter if you start 10 Dairy Queens this year and lose your soul. Well, Pastor, I've been starting all these Dairy Queens. No one does this, by the way, but I'm just going to give an example. I've started all these Dairy Queens. Well, why aren't you in church anymore? Well, I'm busy. Man, you will go to hell as an entrepreneur getting the award for all the Dairy Queens you start. It doesn't matter. Lord, center us. Everybody say that with me. Center me, Jesus. There's a reason why we've done this. It's been 2,000 years, my friends. We didn't make this up. Dedicate your life to it. Your children will be raised in it. I can only imagine what my children would be like if I didn't have the, the church here, you guys and your children hanging out with them. It's a blessing to everybody. Father, we thank you for the challenge. We receive each one of these words. This year, we're going to be courageous. Hallelujah. We're going to be surrendered and we'll be wise. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Can you stand up? Give it up for Jesus. Wasn't that powerful? I just got kind of lost in my prayer time there. I could have just kept praying. I hope that you are encouraged. Altar workers are going to be up here right now with the band. We'll end in worship. Thank you again for all your generosity and all that you've done for us. Uh, My wife and I, we don't take it for granted. I just saw a pastor put this up, and I want to say the same thing. You can count on me, uh, Brother Autry, by God's grace, that I'm going to work as hard as you are putting out fires. We have a firefighter here from Gary. Can we give it up for Brother Autry? Get to know him and his family. Um, I want to work as hard as you do for Jesus. I don't ever want you to be ashamed or embarrassed of me. So I pray that you guys know we're grateful. So I'm going to work hard this year. Work hard for the Lord, but enjoy the journey, the surrendered life. This is what I found out. I found out that I need less vacations when every week I take a time of rest. Some of you, you always look forward to those two weeks a year because you're not taking enough rest throughout the year. Here's some practical things. Make a day of rest once a week if you can. And if not, make an evening. Start with where you are. Reset yourself. Also with the diet and the exercise, we've learned this as as the church. We've learned it is that if your body's not right, oftentimes your spirit's not right. A lot of people in the church are facing mental issues. It's because their diet's not right. Check out with your doctor this year. Get those things in order. But here's the thing, because I'm not just your dietitian. I'm your pastor. Pray through it. 
When I finally lost 80 pounds, it was because I prayed through it. Like my wife said, I got courageous to face my demons of overeating, as the kids say these days, to face those issues of overeating when I connected it to God. Okay, And I know that sounds cheesy because there's bodybuilders that hate God and they're in better shape than me. But you see, in other areas, they're not right. you know. So they're going to learn how to connect to God in those other areas of their life. So where we're weak and naturally at, at a, you know, a disposition for something, that's a reminder we need the Lord in those areas. Which in actuality, the bodybuilder needs Jesus too. How many know that? He, he needs Jesus. He can't breathe without God's air. So look at your health this year. And then the last thing that I'll just say to this is prayer is mental health, uh, what they call self-care. Devotional is self-care. Some of you this year, you may want to talk if you're seeing doctors and you're taking medication or your children are. Ask if we pray and seek the Lord and we believe for a miracle, would you help us to be medicated less? Ask your doctor, is there, a, is there, um, is there marks that we could hit that I could be medicated less because I believe, not for everything, but especially for the mental issues that were over-medicated in this country. And so I'm tired of seeing those numbers go up, 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 and up, um, you know, anxiety and depression and all that. And I'm not here to make you feel like you can't go see a doctor. That's, that's great that they're there. And we work with them, by the way. We do. We do. But I just want you to ask them if that's been your, your trajectory, it's, you know, it's needed medication. Ask them, can we go in the other direction? and be medicated less. And then for those of you who say, I'm not on medication, but I, I sure feel like I need it sometimes, you know. I'm a little crazy up here, okay. Trust me, as I get older, I feel that. Listen to me. Prayer is self-care. Worship is self-care. The old timers used to say it like this. You're not too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray. If you're that busy and you're that stressed out, you need to make time to pray in life. Amen? Can I hear an Amen. And by the way, there's a hundred other things we can help you with because we do give some self-help here too as well, amen. We are a Bible-preaching church, but we give self-help. You'll get that from discipleship and from your life group. So join that this year and be committed to it and share ideas with each other. Hey, this is what worked for me. This is how I'm talking to my doctor or this is what I'm doing to stay stress-free this year. And let's set goals because by God's grace, I'm taking off my shirt and you and I are both taking a picture with six packs in the summer. You're not going to be the only one up here with a six-pack anymore, okay? You guys can be okay with it, but I'm not okay with it anymore. I know people think that's perverted. Guys with their shirt offs are not perverted, okay? And ladies, do the right thing with what you do in your exercise. But how many would like me to have a six-pack? Anybody care? I want to have a six-pack. You'll take This is my year. You listen to me, belly. You're not in charge. I'm in charge. You don't get to tell me what to do. Oh, oh, Dios míos. Lord, be with my pastor. Amen. Father, I thank you for us uh, coming together, keeping us safe to see another year. We pray now for all the goals and visions that are in our hearts. May they come to pass by your spirit of faith and your power in us. Help us, Lord, to never forget that it's always for you and through you. We do all of these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Bless the Lord. Saints. Have a wonderful week. If you need prayer, come on up. If you'd like to worship, we're going to have the band worship. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. Thank you. Have a great week. We love you so much, church.